0: Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Late Night Slice. My name is Dana, and today we will be talking about another true crime that was suggested to me by my buddy Drew. Shout out to you, bud. When I started doing, well, he sent me a news article. And so when I started doing research, I texted him, and I was like, dude, this is dark, and he did give me a fair warning, but I did post that as promo, so if you guys follow my socials, you've already seen our text thread. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I'll plug all that at the end like I normally do, but yeah, so this one is a little dark, very sad, very unfortunate, but it was an extremely interesting topic and honestly probably one of my favorites, so yeah. Um, it's episode 14. I'm very excited about that. It's been hard lately. And I appreciate everyone who reached out to me after the last episode for support. It was my parents. But thank you guys. (laughs) But we're back and better than ever. And I have some stuff planned with Pops and a couple other people. And honestly, it's all falling on me on why we haven't started that yet. But I got really busy at the end of summer. The last episode was right after I got back from Tennessee. And then I went to Put-in-Bay, not last weekend, but the weekend following episode drop. So I was really stressed about getting that last one out because I'm like, I know I'm going to be on vacation this week and I needed a pack and everything. But that was really, really fun. Uh, We had a good time. It wasn't stressful. We just kind of chilled out. I went camping for the first time. And if anyone knows a single fucking thing about me is that I am very not built for nature. Like, I'm competent, and somehow out of my household of six roommates, including me, I was voted most likely to survive, which is sad. But I'll give myself credit where credit's due. I'm a power lifter, and I'm smart. I've watched all of The Walking Dead, so, I mean that gives me the qualifications I need. Right? Right. Um anyways, yeah, so Putnam Bay was fun and I've just been working a lot and really stressing about going to grad school. So if anyone knows anything about grad applications, feel free to hit me up <laughs> because not only am I a first gen college student whose family has not went through the graduate school let alone undergraduate process, but I'm also a graduate of COVID University. So I really didn't get the full college experience. I had probably the equivalent of two and a half real college years. Cause my senior year was normal, my freshman year was normal. And then part of sophomore year. And then we got sent home. But I I gotta count my blessings because there are some kids who completely missed out on college and high school. So at least I got regular high school, and most of a regular college. And I learned to work really well from home, kind of. (laughs) But yeah, so enough bullshitting. Oh no, I can't do enough bullshitting. Guys, I got a cat and her name. If you guys watch anime, if any of you guys watch anime, I named her Pochita from Chainsaw Man. But her name that I call her on a regular basis is Pochi for short, and she is the sweetest thing ever, so if you hear a little bell jingling, it's because I haven't pet her in more than 60 seconds. Um, I went to the local animal shelter in Columbus, and I wasn't planning on getting a cat that day. I didn't, plot twist. It was like two weeks ago, and I just wanted to see the cats. I had a couple in mind, and she was one of them. Um, one of her ears is deformed because, I mean, she she's a shelter cat, But I was going to get this other cat. His name was Salmon, and he was a Siamese cat, and I've always wanted a Siamese. But I was like, I'm not going to adopt a cat and then leave it for three days while I'm on vacation. So I was like, if he's here, it's meant to be. If not, then it's fine. Because he did have a little bit of an attitude problem, and I thought it was charming, but he would just get overstimulated and then like bite and scratch. But he never did it with me, so I was like, oh, it's fine. But... um. Pochi's shelter name was Piper, and Piper is my dog's name back home, and I got bonded to Pip, my parents' dog, and so I was like, oh, maybe it's a sign, and she was so friendly at the shelter, but she was scared, you could tell, and if after so long, she would get tired of interacting with people, and then she'd kind of get all snappy, so I was a little worried about that, but I went back after I got back from vacation on Tuesday, and I went to the shelter. Salmon was gone. I was like, okay, that's fine. Let me see Piper, which is Poachy, and one other cat. The other cat immediately didn't want to come out, so I was like, I know where this is going to go, because I saw Poachy first. And she was so friendly, and she was so happy to see me. And I was like, do you want to go home? And they told me, they're like, she's been here for so long, and I don't understand why no one wants to adopt her. And, like, it's not like she's been there for years, okay? She's a three-year-old cat. And she was at the shelter for about three to four months, but the way that they go through pets like they're adopting out every single day, so she was there for a considerable amount of time. but I ended up adopting Piper, renaming her poachy, and I spent an obscene amount of money on cat toys because I've never had a real pet. You guys know I have jelly, and jelly's a guinea pig, and it's I got jelly because. I wanted to prove to my parents that I'm more responsible than having a goldfish, but I wasn't ready at the time, two and a half years ago, no, jelly's three, three years ago to get a cat or a dog. And even now I know my limits. Like I love animals and I know that I can't handle a dog right now despite being a major dog person. So I was like, I definitely think that I have the time and the financial responsibility to have a cat. So I adopted one, and as soon as she, like, she's so dramatic, but as soon as she got home, she was a little timid, and I blocked her off to two rooms, because my apartment's small, but they said to keep her in the bathroom so she'll get acquainted, and whatever. She stayed like that at night, and the first night was a little rough. Every 20 minutes, like clockwork, she'd start meowing at me, because I wasn't petting her, but, you know, I'd sit on the ground with her and try to spend time with her, and then I had to go to work the next day, and I was a little worried, but she was fine. And I came back, and motherfucker hopped the fence that I... It wasn't a fence. I had my pong table set up blocking the doorway. But she found a way over it, and I was like, obviously she's not scared of anything. And without blabbering on too long about my fucking cat, she is the sweetest, most curious and friendly cat I've ever seen. Like, I think that she's scared of things, but then I realize she's just being... A little bitch about it and being dramatic as hell because she's not afraid of anything she and she's adventurous and she will do whatever she wants and she's smart but she sleeps with me at the end of the bed and she runs every time I come home from work and it's the perfect cat that I could have asked for for my first pet so I love poach poach and if you hear jingling it's poachy so anyways, enough about my personal life. Like I said, we're doing true crime, back-to-school-themed. We're gonna talk about a murder case up in New England. But before we get started, we're drinking another Captain and Coke this week. That was gonna make like a strawberry Kahlua kind of vibe. But this was easier, and I was hungry, so I got fries from McDonald's, and I got a Coke. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll just use this for the pod. Anywho, grab a blanket, grab a flashlight, and the strongest drink you can stomach, because it's going to be a wild ride tonight on the Late Night Slice. Um, beforehand, I will give the topic warnings. Uh, there's a lot, honestly. This one's really dark, and it can be disturbing at times, like very graphic. And I don't gatekeep details, so I'll give you guys a forewarning if you don't want to hear it. But there's there is like sexual violence, assault, necrophilia. So it gets it gets nasty. So just be ready for that. But other than that, this is a really interesting topic. And it really got to me emotionally. But anywho, without further ado. We are taking you guys to Danvers, Massachusetts, which is about 25 miles north of Boston. And the time frame is October 2013. So let's introduce our main characters. We have Miss Colleen Ritzer, born... I don't know why I would set up the date like this. January, February, March, April. May 13th, 1989. She was a 24-year-old high school math teacher at Danvers High School, and she'd only been teaching for about two years at this point. She was super popular, very well-liked, and she was extremely passionate about being a teacher. Um, several student accounts spoke highly of her kindness, genuine emotion, I guess, genuine care, interest, etc. So she was a very dedicated teacher, loved her students, loved her job. And then our other main character is Philip Chisholm. I heard it both ways as Chism and Chisholm, but I'm pretty sure Chisholm's the actual way you pronounce it. He was born January 21st, 1999, and he was a 14-year-old freshman who'd just moved to the area from Clarksville, Tennessee with his mother, Diana. And they were traveling because Diana had been going through a really difficult divorce, and this was having a really strong toll on their family no one really had anything bad to say about him. And there was one article that I found that was like a lot of interviews and personal statements from others. The first one is from his coach, Jando Herrero, or Hondo. I don't know. I don't want to be culturally insensitive. I already am enough. But he was his coach for about two years. And he said, great soccer player, Probably the main reason we won the league championship last year. I'm sure any of his teammates would say the same thing. He was just the nicest kid on the team. And his peers said that he was quiet but respectful, pretty normal overall, polite, never spoke poorly on anybody. And a personal account was he wasn't like, this is some high school girl. Her name's Ariana Edwards, but this is how I read it in my head. He wasn't, like, too friendly, though. Like, he only had certain friends. He wasn't, like, outgoing to everyone. In classes, he would only talk to, like, a select few people. And he was new, too, so, like, he didn't have, like, the, like, amount of friends as everyone else. He seemed quiet and reserved, but he just seemed normal. And every single time I said like was not an exaggeration. That was a direct quote from her, so I'm not being a dickhead. <laughs> and he never got into partying. I mean, he was 14, and I also wasn't partying at 14, but he was a good kid. He was a great athlete, great student, kind of minded his own business. And because he was the new, quiet, reserved kid, Ritzer was really outgoing, extreme extrovert, and wanted to make him feel like he was involved, so she tried to engage him in class. One time she asked him about Tennessee and just wanted to kind of hear about his experience and trying to be positive and lighten the subject. And he got visually and increasingly upset. So she quickly realized that and pivoted and moved on. She then offered to her students that they stay after school and suggested that Philip stay as well in order to prepare for an upcoming math exam, which takes us to October 22nd, 2013. So Colleen did stay after school to help Philip, and she left her classroom A two o nine to go to the second story bathroom at two fifty four p.m. But she didn't go alone. Bum bum bum. At two fifty five, she was shortly trailed by Philip, caught on CCTV footage, and it caught him peeking his head out the classroom door to make sure the coast was clear, and followed her to the bathroom. Before entering, he pulled his hood up over his face, put on some gloves, pulled out a box cutter, which makes everyone kind of think that this was premeditated. I mean, he was ready to go. And it only gets worse from here, I'll tell you that. Chisholm attacked Ritzer from behind, stabbing her 16 times with a box cutter after entering the women's restroom. At 3.06, cameras caught another female entering the bathroom and quickly exiting, The girl later revealed to police that she didn't actually see the murder, but rather someone who appeared to be changing because she only saw their rear and a pile of clothes on the ground. So either she thought she was walking into somebody fucking and dogging it in the bathroom or someone changing. But actually, someone was getting brutally murdered and assaulted. So this could have all been prevented if that bitch wasn't such a pussy. This is not her fault. I'm sorry. At 3.22, you can see him exiting the bathroom, covered in blood, only to return moments later with a large recycling bin wearing a ski mask. There's nothing more conspicuous than a fucking ski mask. Which, I did read somewhere that somebody walked past him and he took it off, which, I don't know if it's worse to just commit to it, or like, hey, I'm not committing a crime here, it's just me, good old Philip, you know? I don't know. I wouldn't be in this situation in the first place, I suppose. But he then rolls the suspicious-ass garbage can out to the woods behind the school. And trigger warning, this is where it gets really grotesque and gruesome. So if you're not ready for that, skip forward... Eh. I'd say, like, 45 seconds. Go. Okay, so... Once they're out in the woods, he removes her body from the recycling bin, removes her clothes, and rapes her, and uses a three-foot-long branch to also rape her, and then he slit her throat. Um, Several accounts say that... She likely wasn't completely dead by the time he got her out to the woods, which that part makes my stomach physically nauseous. Like that is horrifying. But yeah, so that's where we're at with that. He hid the body and changed his clothes. After hiding the body, he stole her wallet, which contained her credit card and ID And then this motherfucker went to Wendy's, picked up that good old biggie bag, and went to the movies. He went to see a movie at Hollywood Hits Theater. I believe the timestamp for that was like five-ish. And in case you cared, because I did, the top three movies at the box office at the time were Gravity, Captain Phillips, and Carrie, but also Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So, realistically, like, i don't know part of me was like i bet he was going to see carrie or gravity but like imagine murdering someone and then going to see carrie i would not but after his mother diane was concerned about him not returning at his normal time she filed a missing persons report at about six thirty four p.m a missing persons report was also filed for colleen by her parents since she was still living at home and that automatically raised suspicion of the school and the authorities as a child and teacher from the same school came up missing on the same night. Her missing persons report wasn't filed till about 8, but then again she was a grown-ass woman instead of a teenager. Poach has been trying to get this thing under my coffee table forever. I think it's just a cord. I don't know what she's looking at, but she going beast mode on it. So fast forward to 12.30 p.m. The police finally found Philip walking along the side of the highway at 12.30 in a nearby town. They conducted a Pat Friskin search, and he was taken into custody after finding the bloody box cutter, her wallet, and a pair of blue greenish underwear. They searched him, and they searched his book bag, and when they asked him where the blood came from, he replied chillingly, the girl. Mm. He actually initially lied about where he found these items. He told police that he found them at the local stop and shop, but then eventually he did admit to breaking into her car and finding them. When the police asked where she is, he replied, buried in the woods and was taken into custody. After a search was conducted on the 23rd, Ritzer's body, Colleen, was found naked in a supine position covered in foliage trying to conceal the body. The recycling bin was found about 20 yards from the body, and his bloodied clothing, the gloves, other belongings were found in the recycling bin. And they were finna take this kid to court O.J. Simpson style and see if the glove fucking fit. But creepily enough, the police also found a crumpled up note near her body that read, I hate you all. Finally, on February 26, 2016, the court trial was held. The whole time, he was held without bail and tried as an adult. And according to Massachusetts law, anyone 14 years or older being charged for murders automatically tried as an adult. I don't really know if that translates to other states, and I don't know that much about the judicial system, but I wanted to look that up. So, he was indicted on counts of murder aggravated rape, and armed robbery. And I also didn't know what something being aggravated means. Basically just means something's really, really fucking bad. Like regular assault is just a misdemeanor, whereas if it's aggravated, it indicates use of a deadly weapon and or causes major bodily injury, which is an automatic felony. Chisholm and his lawyers pled insanity. There were accounts that said he was having a psychotic break. He had Schizophrenic episodes, and he said that he didn't do it, the voices did, but inevitably that failed on his part. They also tried to fight the fact that he was patted down as a minor, and he tried to appeal the charge of rape and robbery, which is a little fucked up in my opinion because their logic was I mean, it's not false, but their logic was that rape and robbery require the victim to be alive, and there's no way to tell whether she was or was not, which is just, I don't know. I could never be a lawyer. I understand that they need to defend their, I don't know, client and try to minimize their sentence. But I am too much of an empath. Like I would never feel comfortable fighting against this girl that got brutally attacked, murdered, raped, everything like that. Super sad and they also said that his Miranda rights were not read early enough, and it was unfair. The final verdict is that Chisholm was sentenced to 40 to life with a chance of parole in 2016, which everyone was like, whoa, that's not long enough, and I agree, but after reading a lot of legalese and a lot of paperwork on my part, he's not actually eligible for real parole like we think until he's like 60, and he was 14 at the time. Her parents and the community cited I guess, fought against that and said it was way too short and not justice, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better term. Today, Chisholm is 24 years old, serving his sentence at Souza Baranowski Correctional Center in Shirley, Massachusetts. And the crazy thing is that everyone had trouble wrapping their minds around this case. No one understood. So, like, earlier when I read that quote from his football coach, or his soccer coach, sorry, he continued on, it's completely out of character. It's not something that I would ever imagine Philip doing, you know, or anything like that. Always the most respectful kid that I've, you know, had around. Yes, sir, no sir, stuff like that. He also said, I want to see what else there is, you know. I want the whole story to kind of come out before people really cast a lot of judgment on the kid. His uncle, who still lives in Clarksville, told a CNN... A newscaster. He might have been upset. You know, teenagers, what they go through. He's 14, growing up still. That's the only thing I can imagine. I can't imagine anything else because he's a storybook kid, a perfect family. And that's kind of what they named him after this case, is that he was the kid next door that you would never imagine doing anything like this, but he still did the unthinkable. And... That's what made it really sad is because he was so young. He was going through a lot. And I'm not pardoning that. This woman deserves so much better. She seemed like nothing but an absolute ray of kindness. And unfortunately, all this had to occur. But I did look her up and I found her Twitter. And like, it wasn't her most recent tweet, but it's her top tweet. It was, no matter what happens in life, be good to people. Being good to people is a wonderful legacy to have. And that was posted on August 11, 2013, just two months before she died. Her whole Twitter was all super positive, motivational quotes, and like resources for teachers. Like, she seemed like one of the kindest people you would ever meet. But also, you know, he was a kid. And I'm, like I said, I'm not dismissing anything, but hate to see it, you know? I got a lot of this information from a documentary on YouTube, and it'll be linked in the comment section below. So if you want to check that out, it has a lot of really good pictures and videos from the trial. And it's about 30 minutes long if you guys have the time or interest in that. But that's all I have for you guys tonight. Again, this was a really fun topic to cover. Not fun, but interesting and I really enjoyed doing the research so one more shout out for Drew thank you for finding this topic and bringing it up to me really appreciate that if you guys want to keep in touch be sure to listen to all of our previous episodes catch up if you haven't already we come out every other week with a brand new episode you can find us anywhere you can find a podcast from Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts pretty much anywhere And so you never have to worry about pretty much anywhere. So you don't have to worry about missing a beat. You can contact me by emailing me, DMing me on Facebook or Instagram with questions, comments, concerns, stories, topics, suggestions. Or if you just want to say hi. I love that. I do check it. And I've gotten a couple. So I appreciate you guys. And stay connected for frequent updates and bonus content like the conversation thread between me and Drew. Don't want to miss that one. Facebook is facebook.com slash the late night slice pod. And Instagram is at the late night slice. If you wanted to shoot me an email, you can either hit up my link tree in both of my social bios or email me directly at the late night slice pod at gmail.com. Once again, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in two weeks for episode 15 of the late night slice.